I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Devraga Personal Finance, episode number 54. In this episode, I thought we'll discuss a little bit about gold as an investment. Is it really a good idea to invest in gold or at least have it as part of your portfolio? Now, for those of you that are new and are tuning in for the first time, the premise and the motto of this personal finance podcast channel is this. I feel there are five relatively easy and simple steps to build financial independence and create the amount of wealth that you would need in order to retire comfortably. Step one, always pay yourself first. Save at least 20% of your after-tax income and put it away and invest it. Now, putting it away and investing it is part of step two, and do it consistently. Part three is always reinvest dividends, never, ever cash it out. Step four is repeat these steps for the long term, that is 20, 30, and 40 years into the future. And step number five is try and automate this process as much as possible. Now, if you did these five simple steps, you're likely to end up being wealthy. You probably have more than you ever imagined possible in terms of your personal net worth, and this means that with wealth comes some responsibility, flexibility, and enables you to enjoy your life more, and more importantly, make a big difference to the lives of the people around you. Now, of course, I'm not a financial advisor. In fact, I'm not even in the business of providing financial advice or anything to do with accountancy or finances. I'm actually a healthcare professional. But I feel that it's really important to try and learn about personal financial topics, to try and master some of the common themes of personal finance so that you can apply those principles and concepts in your own personal financial situation. So, I'm not a personal financial advisor, so if you need specific professional advice, I encourage all of the listeners to go see their accountant or their own personal financial advisor. Now, today's main topic is gold, but before we dive into it in depth, I came across an investment Q&A session recently, which I found on YouTube, and the host simply asked this question, and I thought this process was actually quite powerful. He said, how many of the, how many of the people in the room that he was in plan your holidays three to four months in advance. And and of course, many hands went up in the air. This made me think. People spend so much time researching, learning and reviewing about their holidays well in advance. In fact, I'm looking at a holiday for next year and I'm starting to think about, you know, places to go to, flight costs, resort costs, spending money, etc. I'm already starting to plan my holiday now 12 months well in advance. But when you think about it, the biggest holiday of one's life is retirement. Yet we spend so little time researching, reviewing, learning and planning for it. Why is that? Why don't we think about retirement, which is going to be the biggest and longest holiday of our lives, but yet focus so much about what's going to happen in the next three to four months or even the next 12 months? Well, I feel it's thick. It's because people generally can't think 20, 30 or 40 years in advance. 
It doesn't compute for many people, but thinking three to four months in advance is easily achievable, and it's in the near future. It's more attainable, and it's more in the immediate future, so therefore it's more in the forefront of your thinking, more more in the forefront of your mind. So if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you're slightly more financially literate, or at least have more interest than the average person in personal finance. So this means you're willing to change your thinking for the long term. Now remember, finances is mostly about behaviors. It's not about knowledge. It's only about 20% knowledge, as Dave Ramsey famously quotes, and about 80% um, behavior. So you're probably listening to this podcast because you want to change your behavior, or you have a set of behaviors that you want to focus on and improve on, and hopefully... This will enable you to plan your personal finances and also plan your biggest holiday of your life, and that is your retirement. Now, this podcast channel is about saving, it's about investing, it's about planning for the long term, okay? We discuss nothing about the short term. The aim is to arm you with personal financial concepts, principles, and some basic set of rules to apply in your own life. Now, to the main topic, gold. Is it a good investment or a bad investment? Should it be part of everyone's portfolio? We discussed about it in the all-weather portfolio, particularly with reference to the great investor and hedge fund manager, Ray Dalio, during the Asset Allocation Podcast, which I think is episode 50. To understand gold as an investment, I think it's worthwhile learning about it from a historical perspective. So let's go into a little bit about historically what gold is and how it came about as being a hedge against currency. The Egyptians were one of the first civilizations that started using gold as jewellery, but it never really started to gain traction as a form of currency until about 500 BC. This was when trade was becoming more common, so they needed a standardized form of currency in order to buy and sell products. This would simplify trade, that is, gold would simplify trade. Hence began the stamped sealed gold coin formation as a form of currency. It began to be accepted as and is recognized around the world about this time, which is around 500 BC and after that. So this concept of gold being a form of stamped sealed coin and therefore a form of currency started spreading to Europe and the UK. Then the UK developed the pound based on the amount of gold or silver it represented in the pound. They called it the pound sterling, symbolizing a pound of sterling silver, shillings and pence, which represented by how much gold or silver it represented. Then this concept then spread to the Americas and Asia and then Africa. Now, I think it's worthwhile talking a little bit about North American history when it comes to the US bimetallic standard, which was really developed in the 1792. Okay, It basically meant that every monetary unit in the US had to be backed by gold or silver. Basically, the coins or the money simply represented the gold or silver that was presently deposited in the bank. So, essentially, gold and silver became like a backup to actual currency that was in the banks. During the 1900s, though, gold slowly ceased to become a significant part of the monetary system in the US, and therefore spread to the world. And in 1971, the US government basically abandoned the gold standard, which meant the currency was no longer required to be backed by gold. This is really, really significant. So let's just reiterate this point again. Prior to 1971, particularly in the 1900s and also the 1800s and the 1700s, gold was basically um, the backup for all the money that was deposited in the banks. But after the 1971, the
The US government abandoned the gold standard, which meant the currency was no longer required to be backed by gold. And of course, this principle and this concept then spread around to other countries. So in developed large economies, currency, the current version of paper money, is no longer backed by gold. So then we move on to the modern world, okay, particularly in the last 40 to 50 years. Although gold is not really considered too much these days, particularly in the modern world, you will see it being priced and value tracked during the evening news. So if you watch the evening news, you'll notice people talk about gold all the time, what the dollar value is per ounce or you know, per gram or whatever it is, um, whatever your currency or your, um, uh, your, your measurement values are. And it's because it's still considered relatively important, particularly by the International Monetary Fund and global reserve banks. And the reason for that is the bottom line concept. Gold over the long term preserves wealth. Okay, let's use an example to highlight this point. Supposing you had $50 in the 1970s, okay? In 1970, per ounce of gold, US dollar, was worth about $38, okay? So with the $50, you could either have it in paper money as 50 bucks or buy a bit of gold. So you could get about 1.5 ounces of gold roughly, okay? Fast forward to 2019, the value of $50 in paper currency is actually significantly less because now you couldn't buy the same 1.5 ounces of gold using the same $50. Why? Because one ounce of gold today is worth around $1,417 US. In other words, your $50 which bought 1.5 ounces of gold in 1970 will only buy 0.03 ounces of gold in 2019. This is why gold is still considered a good investment by some investors, because it preserves wealth. Now, let's look at the advantages of holding gold as an investment, okay? First of all, gold has a unique physical property which makes it hold or increase its value over time. So, it doesn't corrode over time. It can be melted, so it's available in solid and liquid form. It can be shaped into jewellery and coins, which adds value and can be used as a form of trading currency. Some people think it appears beautiful. I, I've actually seen 24 karat gold. I don't think it actually is quite beautiful, but anyway, it's, uh, I guess, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, I guess. And the physical properties behind its properties means it absorbs some light faster, which makes it unique in terms of properties to be used in science and technological innovation. So if you look at all the TVs, the iPhones, the smartphones, they're actually made with a little bit of gold in them because gold has unique physical properties to it. All of this makes it hold its value over time. Now, point number two, gold is seen as a good investment at times of market uncertainty, that is, times of high inflation. Or if the dollar, mainly the US dollar, which is the global currency, which is used to buy and sell gold internationally, if the US dollar devalues, then gold is seen as a good investment because that is seen as market uncertainty. It preserves people's wealth. Again, let's use an example to highlight this point. Now, supposing a recession is coming, as they're predicting it recurrently in the next one to two years in Australia and globally. If you read the newspapers, if you watch TV, everyone's freaking out about it expected recession, particularly in 2021 or 2022. 
people are getting very, very panicky. So therefore, they tend not to invest in stocks because of their relative high volatility. So if you look at Whirlpool and all these forums, people are talking about, look, the stock market's too valued. Therefore, I'm not going to be investing in the stock market. I'm going to be putting my money somewhere else. Okay. So what do they do? They take money out of the stock market or they never put the money into the stock market and look for safer investments, particularly at times of volatility or times of market uncertainty if they're worried about a recession. So what are the safer investments that they're going to be transferring the wealth into? Number one, bonds. We've talked about that in recent episode. Number two, other debt instruments. Number three, cash and term deposits for more certainty on returns. And of course, number four is going to be gold. This means investors must sell their stocks. They convert it into currency or dollars and then use those dollars to buy gold. In other words, investors have to sell their dollar and then buy gold. Now, bear with me here. This is a really important point. So remember, we're looking at this example to highlight the fact that gold is seen as an investment in market uncertainty but it's also preserving people's wealth. So essentially, in times of market uncertainty, people are going to get rid of their stocks and try and invest in safer instruments, such as gold, debt instruments, bonds, etc., etc., etc. So, in other words, investors have to sell their dollars and then they've got to go and buy gold, okay? Why is this critically important to understand? Because when you buy something and several other people are trying to do the same, generally, what you're intending to buy goes up in value. So to give you an example, if you have a piece of land and if you have one or two bidders in an auction, you're going to get possibly X amount of dollars. But if you have 50 people trying to bid on that auction and trying to get that land, guess what? The price of that land is going to go up. So in this particular case, you're going to sell your dollar and buy gold and therefore, if more and more people do this at times of market uncertainty, guess what's going to happen to the price of gold? It's going to go up. So let's go back to our example. If you intend to sell the dollar and buy more gold, then your dollar value over time decreases and the value of gold, that is what you're buying, goes up. In other words, central banks will sell their dollar and try and build up their gold reserves and this happens on an individual scale, but also on a global central banks and global economic scale. And as a result, the price of gold goes up at times of market uncertainty. So this is why gold is seen as an investment at bear market times. That is when markets are crashing. And that's why the dollar value decreases while the gold value increases. In other words, gold is a good hedge against the US dollar. When the US dollar depreciates, gold appreciates. This reflects my first point that gold preserves people's wealth. In fact, this is exactly what happened in the 1970s. Let's go back and have a look. When the US stock market crashed by 40% and people panicked, this created inflation. That is, US dollar lost value and the price of gold went from $38 per ounce to $106 in just a few years. That is $106 per ounce. That is a change of over 60%. That is an epic investment when you think about getting a type of return in such a short space of time. So if I told you you're going to buy something in about three years, it's going to go up in value for 60%, what are you going to do? You're going to buy that thing. You're going to push the value of that particular product or service as high as you possibly can because not only you, 
but thousands if not millions of people are trying to do the same thing. Now, similarly, the most recent GFC, or we're going to call it GFC 1.0 because of all the panic about what's going to happen uh, globally in the next one to two years in terms of recession, in 2007 and 2008, the GFC financial crisis, look what happened. The ounce of gold price went from $833.75 when the Dow peaked at 14,164 points to $1,895 on the 5th of September in 2008, when inflation peaked at 3% in the US. And we're talking about US dollars here because that's the global currency used to purchase and sell gold, okay? So technically, if you think the markets are going to crash, you may choose to go and buy some gold and keep it as a safety haven and watch its value rise when there is a global meltdown. This is easier said than done because remember, who knows when the markets are going to crash? I'm all about time in the market, not timing the market. If you or I could time the market, then yeah, life would be sweet. We'll all be millionaires and billionaires. We don't know when the market's going to crash, although there is a bit of global panic at the moment about what's going to happen over the next couple of years. Number three, gold is a safe haven. So let's look at this. When there is a market uncertainty, we know people flock to more stable investments, and gold is one of those. We've talked about that before. People want to touch and feel their investments. You look at your house. Okay, if you own your house, you can touch it, you can live in it, you can feel it, it makes you feel good. And you don't check your house prices every day, do you, on realestate.com.au? You don't get an assessor to come out and value a house every day. Then people freak out with the stock market when it goes up and down because the value goes up and down. But at market uncertainty times, people like to feel good about their investments. And gold is one of those things that you can potentially touch and feel it. Similarly, when there's political unrest, when there's political uncertainty, people do the same thing. Political uncertainty creates market uncertainty, and very quickly you can see how all of these things are linked together. So gold is also seen as a good avenue of diversification, and we've also discussed this as part of the all-weather portfolio of Ray Dalio in episode 50, particularly about asset allocation. So gold is a safe haven at a time of market uncertainty. If there's one thing you want to get away from this podcast, that is it, okay? Number four, gold globally is in short supply. It's a physical element, so it's a finite resource. It's not going to exist forever. There is gold above uh, the ground. There's gold below the ground, which is yet to be mined and discovered. But given its finite resource status, its value is likely to go up over time because the production of the gold globally has reduced in recent times. So as a general rule, if production reduces and demand increases, supply diminishes and value therefore increases. If you're dealing with a finite resource, over time you're going to run out of that finance resource in terms of mining and production. And as a result, if demand is still high, the value and the price of that particular product goes up. That's a supply and demand issue, so it's pretty straightforward there. And point number five, this leads to demand increases, so therefore the value increases. Now, if you look at the emerging economies and powerhouses like China and India, gold is still intertwined within their culture. India is one of the largest gold-consuming nations in the world, and jewellery is one of the biggest uses in India. Now, next month, which is October, the wedding season starts in India, and typically you will see price rises 
you know, due to huge demands nationally in India, they love gold. They love to wear it as part of their wedding jewelry. They love to gift it to people. It's an extremely common thing to do. In China, they tend to maintain gold bars as investments, so demand has been consistent over the long term. Now, furthermore, gold is used in innovation and technology and science, so as we produce and consume more of such products, phones, TVs, you know, computers, etc., etc., we can see the demand increase and hopefully value also increases, especially if supply and production decreases. But like all things in life, nothing is perfect. So what are the disadvantages of owning gold as an investment? Well, first of all, this is my biggest thing. Gold doesn't provide passive income. Now, when you think about investing, what's the whole point? First of all, you want to end up with more money and more wealth than what you started off with. In other words, if you buy something for X amount of dollars in 30 years' time, you want that something to be worth more than X amount of dollars and hopefully beating inflation over that 30 years' time. Now, you also want that particular thing to produce for you over that 30 years' time. So gold is an object. It increases in value or decreases in value, but it doesn't really produce anything. For example, if you invest in a farm which produces grain, the farm literally produces a product which can be sold and therefore profits can be made and it can be shared amongst the owners of the farm of which you're one of them. So the farm produces a dividend for the investor. Not only that, after 10 years, hopefully some of the dividends have been reinvested into the farm and shared amongst the owners, which enables it to grow, become more efficient, produce more grains, and therefore after 10 years, the actual farm is worth more. So the farm not only produces dividends, it appreciates in capital value over that 10 years' time. Now, if you went ahead and bought a gold bullion bar and put it on your dining table today and came back in 10 years' time, guess what? It's still there. It hasn't produced anything. It hasn't moved. It hasn't multiplied. Hopefully, its value has increased, and that's speculation, but that's about it it doesn't actually produce a passive income. So gold doesn't produce passive income. Businesses and owning stocks and bonds produces passive income. So that's one of the disadvantages of holding gold as an investment. Now, the other disadvantage is the gold bubble. Just like the stock market bubble, gold can end up becoming a bubble as well. When investors panic, they start shifting money from stocks to gold. Then gold tends to become the in-demand thing. And like always, its price goes up and eventually reaches bubble point. So if you're going to take all your money from the stock market and put it into the gold market, you're going to reach a price point in gold. And then eventually people are going to go, well, hang on, gold is valued too much. You know, the bear market's over. It's going to be a bull market. So what are they going to do? They're going to take all the money out of the gold market and put it back into the stock market. So you can have this sort of gold bubble. But of course, you can have a bubble in any investment, okay, whether it be property, which happened in Australia recently. Um, so, you know, this is also true in other investments. So um, in the last two years, if you have a look at property in Sydney and Melbourne, um, they reached peak point, And over the last sort of six to 12 months, they've started to plateau a bit and even drop a little bit, okay? Um, now, I think it's sort of coming back a little bit in recent times because of the reduction in interest rates. But generally, reality has kicked in, okay? Prices have been crazy over the last sort of 20 years in Australia, particularly with property. So all forms of investment are vulnerable to the bubble risk, not just gold, but gold is also vulnerable is what I'm trying to say. Point number three, buying physical gold creates problems with storage and creates problems with insurance. And what does that mean? 
You need space and you need to protect your gold by insuring it. Now this comes with added cost. So if I bought a gold bullion and stored it in my home and my home burns down, I'll lose my gold unless it's insured with the home and content insurance, but of course I need to insure that. My Vanguard portfolio is never going to physically burn down. Of course, the hundreds of businesses I own within it are vulnerable to fires, but it's unlikely they will all burn in a big fire all at once, at least I hope not. That would be one unlucky day. So when you buy gold as a physical item, it creates such problems as storage and insurance. It's something to think about. Now, point four, I'm not really sure about. So I'd be really interested someone to message me or perhaps comment on the Facebook page on this podcast um, post is a capital gains tax rate. I think is higher and higher for gold in Australia than other investments. Don't quote me on this. But I read that the gold is considered a collectible in Australia and the capital gains tax is slightly higher. I would be interested in hearing people's comments about it. I'm not 100% sure on this myself. We'll be keen to get some reliable references. The ATO website, which is the Australian Taxation Office website, is not particularly clear on this matter, or at least during my researching of it. I know in America, I think capital gains tax rates for gold is actually higher than it is for other types of investments. So something to consider when you invest. And point number five is this, is, this is the crux of the matter. If you believe that over the long term, the markets usually go up, then gold is just a bad investment because we've proved in the past that the gold value goes up in market uncertainty and bear markets, whereas gold value actually goes down or doesn't increase as much in bull markets. So if you think over the long term, there's going to be overall more bull markets than it is of bear markets. A bull market, for those of you that are new, is basically when the stock market hits, you know, keeps going up and up and up. A bear market is when a stock market, you know, basically crashes. It's usually, um, <coughs> you know, in, in relation to a recession. Um, I think 20% um, reduction in the stock market is considered a bear market. So we almost reached that threshold late last year in 2018. So let's see why that is. If you believe the stock market is going to be going up over the long term, then gold is just a bad investment. Let's see why. Okay, let's look at the ASX stock market historically. Suppose you invested $1,000 into the ASX in 1980. The ASX for the overseas listeners is the Australian Stock Exchange. So if you invested $1,000 into the ASX, which is basically an index fund that you can own all of the businesses that are listed in the ASX 200 in 1980 and left it and reinvested all the dividends and you didn't add a single cent to it, okay? $1,000 and nothing else. Today, in 2019, it'll be worth roughly about $60,000. That is an annualized return of 11.05%. That is an incredible return just for investing $1,000 and basically letting it be, not doing anything to it. This is the market that the ASX has risen to over those years, okay? Over about, you know, um, 39 years, almost 40 years, okay? Historically, stock markets rise. Why? Because there's optimism. Humans as a race, uh, as a, as a uh, probably not a race, but humans as, as organisms, like you can say, are trying to live a better life. We're trying to be more efficient. We're trying to build better products and services. We're trying to make more money. The standard of living today is much better than what it was 50 years ago. And the standard of living in 50 years' time is probably going to be better. Although some people argue that at some stage we're going to have peak standard of living and as a result we're going to actually go backwards. It'll be interesting to see. I probably won't be alive to see that. But the standard of living over time historically has always increased. 
So it makes sense to be in the market for the longest possible time rather than timing the market. So now let's look at what happens had you invested the same thousand dollars into gold in 1980. You would have 1.68 ounces of gold. Okay. Fast forward to 2019. The per ounce price of gold is $1,500, which means your gold would be worth only $2,521. In other words, a thousand dollar investment in 1980 in 2019 is valued at $2,521. Compare that to the returns of the ASX now to be worth $60,000. You can see why gold is probably not a great investment over the long term. It doesn't particularly do anything. Now, so far we've talked about gold historically, the advantages and disadvantages of holding gold as an investment. But apart from actually going out and buying physical gold, what other ways can you actually invest in gold? Okay, now physical gold, just a bit about it. You can go to a gold trader and buy billions in gold coins. It makes you feel good inside holding some gold, I'm sure. Like all things, it's a bit like walking around with a whole hold of cash in your hands. You need to be careful, store it appropriately and protect it appropriately with insurance. We've talked about that in the past, okay? Point number two, buying shares in a gold company. You can invest in gold by buying shares in a gold company. This is a bit like investing in stocks. You can search for gold mining companies. You can research on their company status and then invest in them in the hope they succeed. You may be paid dividends just like any other share portfolio dividends, but you need to go ahead and do active investing, okay? Now, if you've been listening to this podcast channel, I don't do active investing because I'm not a share trader. I just buy everything in the stock market. I just invest in index funds. It's just a lot easier. The costs are low. And over time, over the last 10 years, I've just noticed I've returned about 8 plus percent per annum annually just by consistently investing and reinvesting dividends. Point number three, you can actually buy gold ETFs or index funds. So rather than owning stocks in specific gold companies, if you're not into sort of active investing, you hold an index or ETF which specializes in a range of companies that are mining and investing in gold. This is just like any other investment um, uh, in index funds. Um, this might be an option because essentially you're diversifying your investments within the asset of gold. Okay. So I just invest in the entire Australian stock market. You might want to just you know, pick out a gold ETF or gold index fund and just go with the flow. Now, we've discussed about the concept of asset allocation and diversification in uh, podcast episode 50. If you haven't listened to it yet, it's worthwhile brushing up on this concept. So basically, you can buy gold physically, you can invest in gold companies, you can invest in gold mining companies or companies that um, invest in gold. Um, you can actually invest in ETFs or index funds associated with gold as well. Or you can just diversify. Just go to Vanguard and just, just diversify across the whole range of index funds if you really wanted to. It's really up to you. Okay? That's about it for this episode. Now, personally, I don't have a gold portfolio because I don't think that gold actually does anything, you know, for society apart from being a hedge against the dollar and i know over the long term there's going to be more bull markets than it is bear markets so it doesn't make sense for me to invest in gold yet uh, i may change my mind I, I'm, I'm very interested to hear uh, alternative views uh, if you think otherwise and feel strongly otherwise we can have a bit of a debate about it if you want but you know buying gold or investing in things that don't actually provide passive income mm, you know uh, it's not something that I'm really keen on. I just invest in things that over time grow in value, grow in capital appreciation, but also provide me with some passive income, which I can then you know, put back into the investment. So always reinvesting dividends and taking an advantage of compounding over about 30 or 40 years. That's the style of investing that I'm used to, and I'm probably not going to change it anytime soon. 
that's about it for this episode. Let's summarize the episode. Now, the point one that I made earlier was planning for retirement versus planning for a holiday. If you're planning for a holiday in the next three to four months or in the next 12 months, you must be surely planning for your retirement because retirement is your biggest and longest holiday in your life. So don't you know ignore it, take it seriously and put some effort into it. It doesn't take much effort. It doesn't actually take much learning to actually understand how to maximize your personal finances when it comes to investing, saving and retirement planning. Point number two, gold. We talked about the historical perspective and how it's used or not used in the modern world. Point number three, how is gold linked to currency and inflation? Essentially, gold increases in inflationary times in terms of value, and gold increases in value when currency value decreases. Okay. Point number four, gold and its relationship to the markets. When markets are nervous or markets are collapsing, then people tend to dump stocks and buy gold. So there's an inverse relationship there. So gold generally does well in bear markets as opposed to bull markets. Point number five, the various advantages of buying gold. There's a hedge versus the dollar. There's a hedge versus inflation. It's got unique properties physically and chemically. It increases in value over time. Supply versus demand affects prices positively over the long term. And it's an important element of some cultures, particularly in Asia. And these economies are growing at an extremely rapid pace when compared to the US, Europe and Australian economies. So they're going to be using more and more gold. And as the mining becomes less and less, as the finite resource just dwindles down, you would expect the price of gold to go up in value. Point number six, there are various disadvantages of buying gold. There's storage disadvantage, there's insurance and protection disadvantages. It doesn't tend to do anything or create passive income by itself. It doesn't actually contribute to society. If you have a business, you're contributing to society, you're employing people, you're producing products and services, but it does increase in value, but it doesn't match the returns of the stock market in general. Uh, in my previous example, I talked about how $1,000 invested in 1980 would have turned into $60,000 if the dividends had been reinvested in the ASX, as opposed to $2,500 roughly if you bought $1,000 worth of gold in ounces back in 1980. Now, I'm not saying 2500 bucks is a bad deal, but compared to $60,000, mm, it's a pretty bad deal. Point number seven, we discussed the various ways of buying gold or diversifying into gold, including physical gold, bullions, coins, ETFs, index funds, shares in a gold company, or even derivatives such as options trading with relation to gold. That's it. This is Devraga Personal Finance Episode 54. Thank you very much for listening. Keep the feedback coming. Please spread the message if you've got family and friends who are just going down the wrong pathway with personal finances and they need help point them to this channel. Hopefully they'll learn something. Hopefully they can teach me something. Uh, you know, people message me all the time and on Whirlpool and on Facebook and they tell me things uh, which I've learned from them as well. So really appreciate it. Take interest in your personal finances. Don't ignore them. And of course, plan for your retirement early. Remember the five steps. Pay yourself first, invest, reinvest dividends. Long-term investing is the key. So 20, 30, 40 years and always try and automate it because you're going to be far less likely to dwindle any of your income if you just automate things and it just happens. You don't have to think about it. Until next time, perhaps research about gold. Calculate what your gold portfolio is worth if you do have a gold portfolio. This is Devraga Personal Finance, Episode 54. And as always, stay safe. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 